You're listening to Seattle Real Estate Podcast. Californians aren't leaving the state in mass, but they are leaving San Francisco, study says. We're going to check out that on top of Americans are fleeing New York, California, Illinois, and where are they going? They are going to Arizona, Idaho, and the Sun Belt states. Why do we care about this? Since this is the Seattle Real Estate Podcast, this is what is causing all of the pricing within real estate to go bonkers in some states and other states, not as much. This has to do with job creation, where the job centers are, where it's really hot to move to, and why people are moving away from, why are, why are they possibly moving out of California, specifically San Francisco? I mean, it's just so beautiful there. I mean, it's got the fog, it's got Alcatraz. I mean, what more could you want? We talk about that all the time here, but it's these patterns that are affecting real estate. And right now we've had such major kind of impact to what's been going on with, with residential real estate and commercial real estate with the pandemic that now we've actually got some of the data that uh, we can take a peek at and go, okay, all right. Yep. That makes sense. What can we look for in the future? That's what we're going to talk about today. If you're new here, my name is Sean Reynolds. I own a couple of real estate companies. I own Summit Properties Northwest, a residential real estate brokerage. And I also own Reynolds and Klein Appraisal, an appraisal company. But more importantly, I read the news to you right here. All right, let's get into it. So the first one, Californians, they're not, everybody's thinking, ah, everybody's leaving California. But actually, California's got some pretty big job in migration because it's got that whole Silicon Valley thing. Now, yeah, it's expensive. And yeah, they've got state income tax. There's still a lot of jobs there. Let's, let's, let's be honest. There's a lot of jobs in Cali. Um, I cover and I watch the, uh, you know, muscle beach homelessness issue, the whole Venice beach, that thing. And that's a wildly different topic because it's a small seaside town. Yeah, it's California, but it's its own microcosm where Silicon Valley is just such a big deal. So many jobs. But what's interesting is they, people are leaving San Francisco. There's just enough going on there where they're like, yeah, San Fran, not so much. Let's get into it here. The number of Californians leaving the Bay Area has increased during the COVID-19 pandemic, particularly from San Francisco, according to a new study released Thursday. Despite suggestions of a California exodus to other states in recent months, most who leave that region they don't move very far. Though many Sierra counties saw a large influx of migrants from San Francisco compared with 2019. Among those moving, the share of residents leaving the state has grown since 2015 from 16% to 18%, a trend that continued in 2020 with no market increase. The report from the nonpartisan California Policy Lab said, So while a mass exodus from California clearly didn't happen in 2020, the pandemic did change some historical patterns. For example, fewer people moved into the state to replace those who left. Natalie Holmes, research fellow with the California Policy Lab, said in a statement, at the county level, however, San Francisco is experiencing a unique and dramatic exodus, which is causing 50% or 100% increases in Bay Area in migration for some counties in the Sierras. So people are leaving San Francisco, but they're not necessarily leaving California. Although 
you know, with all the stuff going on in California, people love Cali. That's the bottom line, right? I mean, for a lot of you who aren't in California, and you're kind of looking in going, what, what a crazy nightmare show they've got going on there. And yeah, Los Angeles does have, <laughs> I mean, you can't, you, you can't say it's not happening in Venice Beach and all that other craziness. Just the general governance in California, you just look at it, and it's that eternal train wreck. And you're like, Oh, this isn't good. What is going on here? And it's the California is the main kind of West Coast state where people are, they are leaving and they are leaving San Francisco. And they're going elsewhere, that whole income tax thing in California, on top of what they get for that income tax, I think that drives a lot of people crazy. And it is it really drives a lot of really wealthy people crazy, because we saw a we saw a big exodus of pretty famous influencers take off from LA at the beginning of the pandemic. Because I think they were looking around going, you know what, I've got enough money to do my gig wherever I want to. I'm moving to Texas, I'm moving to Arizona, I'm moving to wherever, not California. So I think that's kind of a lot of what you're seeing. Haven't seen that so much recently. But I think people who were going to move, you know, have made that move. And that's why we're seeing the, the trends we're seeing here. Since the beginning of the pandemic, net domestic exits from the Bay Area have increased 178% compared to pre-pandemic trends, with a 9% increase in departures and a 21% decrease in entrances in the last three quarters of 2020 relative to the same period in 2019. So they've got more people leaving, more people going out, and uh, a pretty sizable 21% decrease in people coming in. And that's quarter two, three and four in 2020. But I think the way California handled the whole pandemic was just another example of maybe why you don't want to live there. Beautiful weather. You know, the coastal areas are amazing. Um, California's got a lot going for it. But right now, it's not going to override all this other stuff happening, right? The whole political climate there and what people see is just an example of how not to run your state. During the last three quarters of 2020, San Francisco saw the largest percentage increase in residential exits of any county in the state, data shows. Interesting. The largest percentage increase in residential exits. People are a leaving San Francisco. I left my heart in San Francisco and I left everything else and took it. No, I just, I took everything with me, just gone. In the second through fourth quarters of 2020, exits from San Francisco were 31% higher than during the same period in 2019. Now, if you read the mainstream media, you would think that the exits would have been 200% higher and that San Francisco is basically just empty, but it's not. I mean, it's just not. And San Francisco will come back. It's already, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of thriving in spite of all of the nonsense that's going on because it's San Francisco, right? New entrances were 21% lower. The study said net exits from San Francisco in the last nine months of 2020 increased nearly 650% compared with the same period in 2019 from 5,200 net exits to 38,800. Okay, so when you see the stats of 650%, you think, oh, wow, that is a lot. That's, that is a tremendous amount of increase. 
But then when you look at the net exits of 5,200 compared to 38,800, California's got a massive population, massive population. 38,800 from Cali, that's not that big of a number. It's actually kind of shockingly small to me, considering how much PR this issue had. There is a trend in most urban areas, but it's most pronounced in San Francisco, because you've you've got the whole pandemic, you've got the leadership issue, you've got the homelessness issue, which is just off the charts. You've got, I mean, I've, I've been doing stories on, you know, Walgreens and CVS and, you know, drugstores and grocery stores, with just the rampant, rampant theft going on there, shoplifting. I don't know, have you guys seen that video? Where I'm sure you have. I sound like Bill Burr. Have you seen the video of the raccoon? Did you know raccoons had hands? Love that one. Um, but the video with the guy who's in the store, and they're, they're shooting the video, and in the video is the store security guy, and I think a manager, I, I'm not really sure who the folks were. And beyond that is this shoplifter who's, who's got a bike and a big black sack and he's just loading up. Was it like cereal and milk or something? Just crazy. I think I remember hearing that. And he just loads up this black sack, gets on his bike and starts wheeling past the security guard makes a half-hearted attempt to reach out to the bag, which is probably a no-go. He'll probably get fired for that, for violating corporate policy on what happens when you've got a uh, shoplifting in progress. But it's kind of to protect their own employees. It's like, yeah, don't get involved. You know, just try and remember what you can about the person so you can explain it to the cops later who will do nothing about it because there's so much other crime going on. Plus, the police got defunded and they're spread a little thin. And crime like this, they know anything as as of uh, Proposition what 47. Police in California know that unless it's over 950 bucks, they're just going to get a misdemeanor, basically a slap on the wrist. Hey, you should show up in court sometime and, and address this. They know nothing much is going to happen because of the policies and the law in California on shoplifting. They basically, you know, you just take whatever you want and nothing's going to happen. So this shoplifter literally got on his bike, put his black, put his black bag up. He's carrying, riding it out of the store. He goes out literally through the electric doors. I mean, it's just crazy. And the, the security guard and the, uh, or loss prevention officer, I think is what the, the technical term. They just let him go out of the store, just rampant, I mean, shoplifting, just the most blatant example. And so people are leaving San Francisco because that kind of thing is going on. And the laws are such that, you know, that this is just an example, a small example of some of the things that people don't necessarily want to tolerate in their own lives. They don't want to go to the store and see that kind of thing. They just don't. They want to go to an area where there's some respect for the law, right? They want to raise their kids in areas like that, not with this kind of nonsense going on. So there is a trend in most urban areas, but it's most pronounced in San Francisco, said Evan White, executive director of the California Policy Lab at UC Berkeley. Part of this flight from San Francisco, White said, may be the result of large tech companies shifting their offices to remote work for the foreseeable future. That kind of freedom may have led employees to move to more affordable counties, he said. So I agree that that is 
some of what is happening. We are seeing a ton of Californians come into Washington. That is what is driving up Seattle pricing the way that it is. Seattle has got some of the most expensive residential rental uh, prices in the country behind like, um, I think Anaheim, San Diego and Honolulu. Um, Seattle's right in there. We're hanging right in there because we've had such an influx from California and people from California, they're leaving their state income tax. They're taking equity from there, from the housing market that's been on steroids forever, bringing that equity to Seattle and going, Hey, this is pretty affordable. This, this is a good quality of life. Yeah. If we're living in Seattle, I got to put up with nine months of clouds and rain. But I can suck it up and do that because summers are pretty sweet. And in California, eh, where I live, it's real, really hot. So, um, you know, you've got that whole kind of thing. Most who left San Francisco stayed in the Bay Area economic region, according to the study, and some 80% remained in the state a trend consistent with pre-pandemic patterns. Although Bay Area counties and urban centers in Southern California tend to be the most popular destination for those leaving San Francisco, counties in the Sierra Nevada mountains saw some of the largest population growth from the Bay Area, especially in the final quarter of 2020. I think people are like, all right, if I still have to go into the city, I can make it there. This isn't a total stretch. Yeah, internet's a little dodgy the further out you get. Sometimes here in Washington, sometimes you can't get, you know, high speed internet. And that's a real issue if you're working at home. Because what are you going to do? I mean, I know of a family um, here in Redmond, kind of the further out portion of Redmond. One of the issues is that they were working on uh, cell phone hotspots. They didn't have, you know, satellite. Wasn't really sure what was going on there. Um, but you know, you've got you've got satellite going on for most po folks, but if you don't have that, and you're working off a hotspot off your phone, you might not get the fastest of internet. And if you've got husband and wife working at home, and maybe kids doing schoolwork via hotspots, that gets a little tricky. So uh, the whole, you know, let's let's move out to the country that does have its drawbacks, you know what I mean? So I question that. I know there are examples of that. But I don't see it as an enormous, huge trend. Not everybody has left the city, and they've gone to the country. Oh, I'm just gonna go to I'm gonna go to the country where I've got my back 40. And um, 40 acres, that is, for those of you in urban terms, not familiar with that. But um, I think there are people who are doing that, but I think it's more, it, it's more the exception than it is the norm. But it's such a cool thing to be able to think about being able to do, hey, I'm just going to go live out in the country for a while, still keep my job. But that's what I'm going to do. It'll be interesting to see when the pandemic comes to an end, whether those folks move back, White said, that's what I've been kind of interested to see. I, I do know of people moving further out, but a lot of times they'll still keep like a condo in downtown, right? Right? So I think you're going to see that big, you're going to see that big rebound at some point, you're going to see, oh, hey, yeah, hmm, condos, look at the map, look at the geographic map, we've got downtown urban core, and we've got all these condos surrounding it that have been impacted pricing wise, maybe we should pick up one of those, because we need a place 
closer to downtown because we're that whole commute thing coming in that's that's getting tricky as more and more people start working in their you know their old office downtown oh i forgot it i forgot about the commute this is looking like a two-hour commute maybe we should just get a condo and you know kind of hunker down three days a week in downtown and we don't need much for that let's look at a studio let's look at a one bedroom because odds are we won't have another pandemic during our lifetime i think that's what people are going to say maybe i'm crazy but that does seem that seems pretty reasonable right and you're reasonable that's why that's why we're here it doesn't look like we're going to see much change in migration for the state as a whole white said there's not a huge migration of people and therefore of businesses. And that's good news for the state, I suppose. And yet at the beginning of the pandemic, we talked and talked and talked and talked about how California was just going to fall on its rear end. All right. That's not necessarily happening, is it? No, it's like, uh, yeah, we talked about that. And some people are leaving. A lot of celebrities left, right? I mean, I think that was what was most telling. People who have money and who could leave, have already left. But in San Francisco, he said, the implications have been a little more interesting. With people leaving, we're seeing rents going down pretty dramatically. San Francisco, I did a number of podcasts on that. San Francisco did have some dramatic rent loss that they just dropped. Nobody wanted to live in San Francisco. They don't necessarily want to live in town anyway. Well, I shouldn't say that, but if you're dealing with all the stuff that's going on in San Francisco, the homelessness, drug addiction, needles everywhere, human feces everywhere, if that's not really your gig, you're probably going to figure a way out. And I think that's why downtown rents dropped pretty significantly. But that has happened also in other cities. I know rents on single family homes here in Seattle have increased during the pandemic. Rents on apartments, that more dense urban living, those have decreased. I think the rents on single family homes here in Seattle went up like 5% and change and rents on apartment buildings dropped like 11%. That makes total sense to me. People don't want to live in highly dense urban structures where all the cool stuff that you want to live there for, because you can walk down to whatever, walk down to the museum. I can walk down to a show. Oh, it's not open. I can walk into a restaurant. Oh, no restaurants, takeout only. I can go see a ball game. Oh, no major sporting events. Why am I living here? Oh, I'm not. I'm going to move. I think that is short-sighted because we are right now, we've got that boomerang effect of people coming back to the downtown. I've got friends who are excited about going back to work because they're like, yeah, working at home. It was tricky to begin with. I'm kind of, you know, I'm 52, my friends are 52 or whatever they are. And they're like, I like that life work separation. I want to go to my office. Because at age 52, if you've done anything with your life, you've got a decent job. You know, you're, you're not at the entry level, you've got some perks, you've got some stuff going on. Maybe somebody somewhere calls you Mr. I don't know. I've refused to. I've refused to be called Mister, even by little kids. That's Mister Reynolds. No, Mister Reynolds is is my dad. That's my grand. That's my kid's grandfather. Do not. Don't. I, I'm never a Mister. That's just. Oh, that's just so. I don't know. It's. Uh, but John, it's respectful. Yeah, it just sounds old to me. With people leaving, we've seen rents go down pretty dramatically, he said. If rents go down in the commercial and residential sector, we may see businesses trying to take advantage of that. I think you've got some change going on, but a lot of what we see right now, 
kind of is what it is, right? And I think a lot of these numbers will change as businesses bring their employees back to the downtown. All right, let's look at a quick Fox business article now. Because I mean, I think I read a CNN yesterday. So we're just we're going to even that out with a little Fox action here. Is that all right? Okay, that's what we're doing. Americans fleeing New York, California, Illinois, for Arizona, Idaho and Sunbelt states. Talking to a kid today at the gym. And um, he's living in Idaho. And he was like, uh, yeah, the one thing I don't like about Idaho, state income tax, they've got a state income tax of I think six, six or 7%, something like that. And I was like, yeah, he, and he said, it, uh, you do feel it, you see that number in your tax returns. And you're like, oh, yeah. Um, sorry, clearing something off my screen here. You do feel that from the standpoint of I could have, especially when you're younger and every dollar counts, I could have done that or I could have bought this or, you know, when those, when every dollar counts. So Idaho state income tax, I did not know. Cost of living was one of the main reasons researchers said people were leaving the Northeast too damn expensive for what you get there, right? Movers in 2020 largely left the Northeast in search of warmer weather in the South, Southwest and Southeast, according to data from moving company North American Moving Services. The company's 2020 migration report found that the top five inbound states for movers were Idaho, Arizona, Tennessee, South Carolina, and North Carolina. I would have guessed Texas in there, wouldn't you? I would have guessed Texas. Arizona, Tennessee, and both Carolinas. That's interesting. I had an appraiser move out uh, from North Carolina, and but he was into the outdoors, and he came to Seattle specifically to be part of the great outdoors, and then he moved on to Montana, no, Idaho, I uh, can't remember. The five states with the highest number of outbound moves last year were Illinois, New York, California, New Jersey, and Maryland. According to the data in Illinois, nearly 70% of all moves consisted of people leaving the state. We're getting out. We're leaving. Four of the top seven outbound states were located in the Northeast. Yeah, they're like Illinois and kind of east of there. You got the whole New York, Maryland thing. And then um, one of the outbound states, again, California, California. It's just got numbers and the whole San Francisco thing that we just read that kind of feeds right into it, right? On a metro level, the top inbound cities last year were Phoenix, Houston, and Dallas. Well, the top three outbound, and this is not surprising, New York City, Anaheim, California, and San Diego. In Anaheim, California, yeah, I get that one. And San Diego is just basically cost of living. It's so expensive there. In New York City, living in an urban, dense, you know, area, where I mean, there was a run on moving companies and their trucks, you just couldn't book a moving company, there were so many people leaving during the pandemic. So living in an urban dense, you know, environment, in your high rise, having to touch the elevator button, oh, you might get the Rona. Although the CDC has said, ah, you know, solid surfaces, not so much anymore. The things we learn during a pandemic, right? So I understand the New York City thing, we just talked about that. And it's kind of you know, it's the opposite reason of why I think condo prices will increase on studios and one bedrooms for the same reason that so many people have moved out of New York City. The stuff isn't available that you want to do. And if it's not available and you're living in a small place and you're hunkering down, miserable, just difficult, tricky. 
Despite the pandemic, which brought on economic hardship for many, nor for many Northern American moving services found that moving rates were comparable to years prior. Researchers said that among the reasons people were picking up and heading to the Sunbelt states was to escape harsh winters, job availability, and cost of living. It's one of the reasons people move to Seattle because, you know, our housing prices relative to us have exploded, but relative to California and New York, we're still cheap. We're still cheap. Median housing price, you know, well under a million. And, um, you know, a lot of areas you can still get a decent home, well, an okay home for six or 700 grand. But for a lot of areas of the country that are, you know, where all the big jobs are, that's cheap. That's affordable. And so they're coming here and going, thank you, sir. I'll have another. As previously reported by Fox Business, Zillow researchers found that movers last year tended to move to areas where houses were $27,000 more affordable on average, and also 33 square feet larger. That is not very big. That is small. It's very, very small. Um, but it kind of goes to show they're affordable, hair bigger, that's on average. So you're going to have some homes that are way bigger, some homes that are smaller, but the affordability issue. So if I can get the same thing, and it's going to be cheaper, that's where you're going to head. In order to get a larger home at a better value, Zillow researchers noted that many people move to the suburbs. That trend was exacerbated by the pandemic, which allowed more individuals to permanently telework. And therefore, proximity to an office location was no longer a motivating factor in location choice until they have to commute several times a week. And then they're like, damn it, I didn't think this all the way through. How bad is this going to get? Ah, oh, crap. I'm missing my my whatever time, my time with my dog, I'm missing my time with the family, I'm missing going on hikes after work in the forest, whatever it is that people do, you know, that time where you don't have to commute, you're going to have to pay that price at some point here. And it's coming sooner than later is, is my perception. Because all of these companies, we're hearing about company after company after company, who have basically said, yeah, that whole work from home thing forever. Not so much. We've got all this office space, we're not giving it up. In fact, we're going to take on some more, because we want to expand. And we're going to need your rear end in your seat in your office, at least two. That's this is two. That's not two, at least two or three days a week. And eventually, it's going to be like four days a week, and you're gonna be able to telecommute Friday, right? Maybe you telecommute Thursday and Friday, unless you're some tech company, and you can do everything at home, and you're gonna to have to figure that out. But companies are literally saying, all right, yeah, our headquarters are in New York. But if you want to work in Arizona, that's fine. But um, we're going to pay you less. There's that going on. And then there's people who, you know, a lot of new stories going on right now about, well, if I can't work from home forever, then I'm quitting. Okay, that's your option. That's your call. But I think that is more media than anything else, because people still need a job, right? And trying to get a job in today's market, it, it's it's still just a huge hassle. It's a huge, I mean, there are some careers that, you know, have just recruiters banging on their doors. All right, I get that. But those are people that are probably commuting already or who are, I, I see some people and I wonder, are they, are these people really even working? I see that they're doing this job title and I know them, but are they really even work? What do they do? Do they work like an hour or two in the morning and call it good and then just 
phone it in for the rest? I don't know. I got to show up to at least a camera here to, you know, get this whole thing going. So I'm here, I get the participation ribbon for being at work. Um, but what I do is actually kind of fun. I look forward a lot of times talking to you guys and talking with you guys and, and doing this and kind of sharing my thoughts. And then you guys give me comments back and like, Sean, you're a moron because of this. All right. Yeah, you're, you're probably right. Um, I, you know, after all, I am a real estate guy that reads the news. So this is a lot of um, this is a lot of what's kind of going on in our real estate markets. Um, nothing really new, but we're starting to get data back that is basically stating all of those crazy headlines we saw at the beginning of the pandemic and during the pandemic. A lot of those, they haven't really panned out. It's not as severe as we think it's not as bad as we think. But there definitely are some some trends. I think a lot of the trends were already in play. The pandemic just kind of, you know, it did exacerbate pressure on all right, everybody's moving to Montana. Okay. But not everybody's moving to Montana. Not everybody's moving to Seattle. There are some people actually leaving Seattle. But we've still got more of an in migration because of our jobs here. That's just how this goes. A lot of people a lot of my viewers, maybe you're in there, you're like, I would never live in Seattle. All right, I get that. I wouldn't live in Seattle proper either. But I live in a suburb. And, you know, I live in a nice suburb where we don't have the craziness going on of a city like Seattle with their city council that's just off the nut off the charts nutty, just like what are you guys doing? I mean, they have rent controls going on there, not rent control, but so many restrictions on how to evict people. And what they don't realize is that that's just going to jack rent prices through the roof. I'm going to start covering that because that's going to happen. In Seattle, our, our, our council, we've got a couple of socialists that that honestly believe that every, every rental property is owned by a big, massive corporation. So they're trying to stick it to the big corporations by, you know, disallowing any kind of eviction or, you know, um, just, well, if you're a teacher or you're a whatever, you can't evict people during the school year. We want to have this, you know, restriction, this restriction. You can't evict them here under these circumstances. We've got so much of that going on. But what the council doesn't understand, what our political leaders don't really understand is a lot of housing and a lot of rental housing is owned by mom and pop real estate owners, husband and wife, maybe a little bit older. Because, you know, they, it, it took them a while to get where they're at, where they're at. So many single family rental properties are owned by mom and pop owner operators. And how do I know that? I know that from 30 plus years appraising real estate. So I'm not sitting at a desk coming up with crazy policy. I'm just telling you what I know from, from, from what I know. And so what's going to happen? Those people are, and I've got people emailing me right now. Hey, I may not want to keep this property much longer with what's going on in Seattle. So you've got an issue of supply. There's very little supply of rent, rental homes in Seattle. That's going to get even smaller. So as these mom and pop owner operators are like, the policy here is crazy. I don't want to own a rental property. I'm going to sell it. Who's going to buy it? Is another you know rental owner going to buy it? Probably not. Because as values have skyrocketed and gone through the roof, you can't bring in on even though rents here in Seattle are some of the highest in the nation, probably one of the top, I think it's number four in the nation, Seattle rents are. 
even those those are as high as they are, the capital outlay you have to put into a home to just to buy it, even 20% down doesn't make any sense, even 25% down, say you put 50% down, well, now you've got a huge chunk of change tied up in a property, are you going to get it back on appreciation? Yeah, maybe, but that's a gamble, your cash on cash return just isn't all that awesome, right? So you're not going to have investors coming in and buying these properties, they're going to go to owner occupied, you know, buyers, your rental pool is going to shrink. So good citizens of Seattle, Welcome to rent going through the roof that is going to happen. And that is specifically, in part going to happen because of policies being put in place right now by your city council, who doesn't really understand the residential real estate market. It's the way I see it. But what would I know? I'm just a real estate guy. Oh, huh? Does that makes sense. Yeah. I don't know. I tend to downplay that. But it's easier to downplay it because so much of what I see is just ridiculous. I mean, it's just crazy. And when you add logic to it, it sounds even crazier, doesn't it? I mean, you can't evict somebody during the school year. Well, what if they're not paying rent? I mean, there's a whole lot of what ifs that aren't being answered. And it just doesn't make any sense. But that's Seattle in 2021. This storyline will keep going. And as uh, rent prices skyrocket, and the city council and our fine leadership here sits back and goes, didn't see that one coming. I'll cover it for you right here on the Seattle Real Estate Podcast, because why wouldn't I? I mean, that's that's just what we're doing. All right. Thanks so much for being here. I'd love to have you smash the subscribe button, hit the notification bell, because we're putting out at least a couple of podcasts a day. And uh, that's Monday through Friday, and then once on Saturday and Sunday. Love to have you do that. Throw me a comment. If you want to send me an email with a storyline that you want to hear, um, I can't read them all. But when I get a number from people that um, that are all consistent, I'm like, okay, that's a topic people want to hear. Send me stuff to Sean, S-E-A-N, at seattlerealestatepodcast.com. So many email addresses, can't keep them all straight, but that's the one. Sean at seattlerealestatepodcast.com. All right, until the next one, thanks for being here. Thanks for being a part. I'll catch up with you guys soon. Stay safe. We'll see you then. Bye. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and hit the notification bell so you'll know when our next video is out.